Make good choices. Choose wisely. Mm-hmm. You know, choose the people around you. Choose the people that are going to support you and also going to look you in the eye and say, you're freaking nuts. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. You're listening to the Fitness Industry Podcast, powered by Australian Fitness Network. For articles, resources, and inspiration to grow your fitness business and career, go to fitnessnetwork.com.au, where you can also find a huge range of online courses, many of them accredited for CECs and other professional development credits, with up to a massive 30% savings for members of Australian Fitness Network. And for an amazing weekend of face-to-face learning, be sure to register for Filex, the main event on the fitness industry calendar, at filex.com.au. Visionary fitness educator Sarah Cooperman has greatly impacted countless fitness careers. Here she chats with the Fitness Industry Podcast's Katrina Cochran about growing her network of nine annual fitness conventions from one loss-making workshop, the importance of staying true to your budget as well as your vision, managing team members to their strengths, and giving back to the industry by mentoring others. Welcome to the Fitness Industry Podcast. I have the pleasure today speaking to fitness royalty in my eyes, Sarah Cooperman. Hello, Sarah. How are you today? Royal. That's how I am, royal. (laughs) I hope you don't mind me saying that, but your experiences, your industry, uh, professional career has been absolutely amazing. So we're really lucky to have you here today. Looking forward to hearing a little bit more about you personally as well. So for our listeners, would you mind just giving us a little bit of a background on you personally and how you started in the industry? Well, we, my company, SCW Fitness Education, which used to be called Sarah City Workout, started about, I want to say, almost 35 years ago. And we've been running fitness conventions for 32 years. We're in our 32nd year. Um, Chicago was our first venue, and now we have nine locations. So let's see if I can remember them all. (laughs) Washington, D.C., New York, New York. We're in San Francisco. We're in Orlando, Florida, Atlanta, Georgia, Dallas, Texas, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I know. Chicago, Illinois, that would help my, our Midwest, our home convention. And then last but not least is our Boston conference. So we reach about 8,500 group fitness instructors and personal trainers and owners, managers, and directors. And we average about, I'm going to say between about 500 and 1,400 attendees at each conference. And yeah, it's and hence the name, Mania, okay? <laughs> it's a little bit crazy, but it's really grown into something really wonderful. And we've expanded dramatically to reach people that can't even go to these various regional cities. We do a lot of online certifications. We have 30 different online certifications that anybody can take the certification and then attend the live certification free within two years. And then you get more continuing education credits when you go to the live course. Because my heart, of course, is in live training. But the Mm -hmm. reality is if Harvard and Yale offer online courses, you should be able to take an online certification to learn how to count eight backwards, okay? (laughs) Yeah, and then we also film 
uh, many of our sessions live mm-hmm. on our on-demand program. We're filming something every hour on the hour at these nine conferences. So every month we're adding at least 10 new educational videos that are wow. about 90 minutes each. So it's really kind of cool is mm-hmm. what we've built over the past 30-plus years. Yeah, I'm really aging myself. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. So that's absolutely amazing because you're providing the opportunity for fitness professionals to continually grow and develop themselves. And you've even said the importance of online education because it's convenience, but face-to-face is still very important. So it's great that you offer that opportunity as well. So how did you originally get started in the industry? Let's let's go back a little bit and just see where did you start? How did you get involved? Oh my God. Like when I was 18 months old. <laughs> now, um, when I was really young, I started dancing at the age of two. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the only time I ever felt comfortable, you know, comfortable, beautiful, whatever. You just feel good. Mm-hmm. And I ended up, I went when I was in high school, I kind of had to make a decision. Did I really, did I want to dance and be like a professional dancer in a strip club? No, be a professional <laughs> dancer. You know, my thing was jazz and Gus Giordano Dance Studio. And I had a foot operation. I had a very painful mm-hmm. bunion. It was horrible because I was in toe shoes very yes. early. And I decided I had to get my foot operated on and I wanted to go to college. So I got my foot operated on. I ended up going to college. And over the summer before I attended school, I to there was no such thing as physical therapy. There was no such thing as rehab. So I went swimming in my friend David's pool and I sat in the hot tub and kind of rubbed the foot Mm -hmm. and I rehabbed it myself. And so when I went to college, it's like, lo and behold, I could dance and I was dancing and dance classes were expensive. Mm -hmm. They were like, whoa, like $6 (laughs) each. Oh, wow. (laughs) And I was like, what do I do? This is expensive. My parents Mm -hmm. weren't going to foot the bill. And I thought if I audition to become an apprentice with the dance studio, I get free classes. Mm. So I thought, okay, well, you know, it's a Saturday, I'll just audition. And I made the company itself, which is full time. So that meant I had to go to school part time. So I call my parents up and I'm like, I'm going to go to, you know, what do you think? I think I'm going to go to school part time and I'm really going to dance. And my mother's screaming at me on the phone. My mother was frankly, unfortunately, somewhat mentally, not somewhat, she was Mm. mentally unstable. She Mm. was abusive. She was not a lovely person. She just wasn't. But my dad was awesome. And my dad went, SJ, go for it. SJ is my nickname for Sarah Jane. Go for it. And then my mom started screaming at my dad, which was better because I could hang up and get off the phone and join the (laughs) damn company, right? So I joined the company and they require you to start teaching because that's how you earn your keep, so to speak. That's how you earn your salary to be in the dance troupe. And I mean, I loved it. Loved, loved, loved teaching. I loved teaching the young kids. I would teach the older adults. I Mm -hmm. loved it. And when I got time to perform with the student, you know, with the dance troupe, and I had a solo, and I was this tall dancer that, you know, ate grapefruit and hard boiled eggs and smoked cigarettes because it's a requirement that you smoke cigarettes. I was really good at that. (laughs) And you just live this frankly, horribly unhealthy life. 
And I performed and I thought, this is the stupidest thing I've ever done. <laughs> I mean, I'm staring at myself six hours a day. I'm not eating healthy. Mm. I, and then I performed for these strangers. And what I really loved was the teaching and the connecting. And mm. right after that, I said, I'm done. I'm out of the studio. I went back to college, of course, and I kept teaching. And mm. this new thing called aerobics started. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I kind of liked it yeah. because I was a runner. You know, mm -hmm. I had all from when I was little, I, I have a million red, you know, blue ribbons from first places yeah. and little trophies. And yeah. I mean, I was just the fastest runner, the highest jumper. I was an athlete, but I loved to dance. Mm -hmm. So integrating those two was like aerobics. And so yeah. I started doing it. And I knew that I wanted to be a professional stripper. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> be a professional. So I thought after college, I'm going to go to law school. And when mm -hmm. I went to law school, you know, you're, you gain weight because you're sitting there studying the whole time. Mm -hmm. So I started teaching aerobics again out of a little, out of the basement of the English Lit Building, which was next door to the law, wow. the law school at Washington University in St. Louis. And so... But it was this small, tiny little room. And luckily, one of the professors started taking my class. I must have had like eight people. Well, lo and behold, she got me a huge hall in St. Louis with a built-in little stage and this marble, gorgeous floor. Mm. And, oh, it was just beautiful. Ended up with 50 people, three times a week, $3 a head, $450 cash a week for three hours of work with my little boom box with my cassette <laughs> tapes, right? And it was just like, and of course I'm paying taxes, not $450. I mean, it was awesome. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I think this is really going to catch on. But I, yeah. I did finish law school, passed the bar, and immediately opened a studio. Mm -hmm. And when I opened the studio... I like thought, oh, this is great. This is great. Oprah Winfrey's coming to the studio with Stedman Graham and all mm -hmm. the all the producers from Harpo because I'm in Chicago mm -hmm. and and I'm teaching and working and and this small little studio and it's really kind of cool and like within a year I lost all my money. I lost $35,000 which was a down payment of the house mm -hmm. that when my aunt had passed away had left me boom gone zero wow. zippo not not a good business move. But one day I had a workshop from a friend of mine, Doug Graham, who came in from California. He was a big wig at, at fitness conferences. Idea, actually. Yeah, and Fit Camp. And he came and he was staying at my house. He said, let's do a workshop. So I got the entire state of Illinois' yellow pages. I don't know if you were even remember those. Oh, I do. <laughs> no computers. Yes. Yeah, no World Wide Web. Like, what was yes. that? No fax machines. No. And luckily, I got the entire state of Illinois yellow pages. I tore out the health and fitness pages. I typed them up on a typewriter. It was a cool typewriter. It yep. had automatic correction on Whoa. it with that little white tape. Yes. You know, that it could, you could push a button and <laughs> press the letter and it disappeared with a big chunk, chunk of, of white <laughs> on it. And I had one of the sheets of paper. My dad said to me, SJ, do it on mm -hmm. sticky labels, three across, mm -hmm. 10 down. Put all the A's on one mm -hmm. sheet, all the B's on another, all the C's on another. And then if somebody moves, you can peel them off and stick somebody new on. And then you can yeah. photocopy it 
at Kinko's or whatever duplicating shop there was, yeah. and that was my database. Yeah, okay. and wow, and that's how we started. Yeah, and I made more money in that one day on that one workshop than I made the whole month, and wow. I just kind of looked at my husband. I remember talking to me. He goes, you know, Sarah, if you worked as hard on your studio as you worked on this workshop, you could make a fortune. And I looked at him and go, I don't want to do this studio. And also I know he was wrong. And I sold, and I sold <laughs> as most men are. Shh, yes. Don't say I said that out loud. No, no, no. My husband has been amazing. And I sold the studio that Monday and I started doing the workshops, and I just loved it. I loved educating others. Right. And I, I also, I really believe in surrounding yourself with people that are better than you. Mm. Like all the presenters that I've hired, they're better than me. This one can lecture mm. better. That one can teach dance better. That one's a better strength training coach. That one's a better, you know, they find these people that are better than you, and it's just a wonderful, worthwhile experience. Yeah. I just love it. And we're all in a position to grow and develop every single day. And it doesn't matter how long we've been in the industry to be able to give that opportunity to still continue to grow and develop your knowledge, your your experience, your performance is always necessary. And I think that, you know, you've taken that to a new level with your company and your organisation. That's fantastic. So what was the next step after that? Where did you go? So is this where the conventions then were created? Well, yeah, that's where we started by, I was doing individual workshops myself. Yeah. And then I hired, there was a friend of mine, Steve Wright, and there was a few other presenters that I had, June Khan, that would come. And there were four of us, and we called it Chicago's Finest. Okay. And people would come. I mean, we were packed. And I thought, well, if we can have four presenters, if we can have... 40 presenters. Mm. And I rented a hotel. And at that time, I took out four credit cards. I had nothing. My husband, when we got married, I married a pile of loans. <laughs> That's what I married. Okay. Right. You know, people say, oh, you're so lucky. Your husband was a lawyer and did it. And I look at them and I'm like, I'm, no. you know, I'm going to stab you. No, <laughs> no, he has nothing and I have nothing and, mm. and you are nothing. But I, you know, you have mm. faith in yourself. Yeah. And, and people ask me all the time, like, how did you take these risks? And I think it's because I chose wisely. I always mm. tell my kids, like when they would get out to go to, go to school, make good choices, choose wisely, mm. you know, choose the people around you, choose the people that are going to support you and also going to look you in the eye and say, you're freaking nuts. Mm. Don't do that. And my dad was incredibly supportive. Now, my mom wasn't, mm. but you choose. Am I going to let my mom tell me that I'm not smart and I'm not pretty mm -hmm. and I'm not worth it worthwhile for anything? Mm -hmm. Or am I going to listen to my dad who says, you know, SJ, you can do anything. And mm -hmm. I married a man that just believes in me mm -hmm. and supports me. And he's a little scared, but... <laughs> <laughs> but he's, a, he's, he's wonderful. And I took out four credit cards mm -hmm. and I put a down payment on the, the hotel with one credit card. And, and I put a down payment on the printer with another mm -hmm. credit card and then the mail house with another credit card. And I probably was paying my car loan with the other credit cards, you know. And every day I'd be like, this is going to be great. Registrations are coming in. We're mm -hmm. doing great. And my 
And then the next day I'd be like, oh my God, how are we going to pay this back? Mm. Oh my God, I have no, we have no money, you know, and my husband's going, you know, we're going to do this. This is going to be great. This convention's wonderful. And the next day he's looking at me, how are we going to pay these off? And I'm (laughs) saying, this is going to do great. We're going to do, and it just kind of one evented well. And we ran that for two years and then I had a baby and then we, I'm looking around, I'm like, my girlfriend's got a t-shirt shop in Atlanta, went to visit her, checking it out. I'm like, there's a lot of people in Lycra here. I think we could do an event here. So I got in a minivan, and for four weeks, I drove from city to city to city near Atlanta, Georgia, Mm -hmm. and did workshops at these independent health clubs and collected names and addresses because there were no email addresses, no. okay? Mm-hmm. And there were no cell phones, okay? And that's that's, that's how we built our mailing list, mm-hmm. and that's how we got people excited about the next conference we did. Yeah. And then that's how we grew. How we grew. And I think that's important because you've overcome adversity, and business isn't easy. And a lot of people can sometimes have that preconceived idea that, I'm going to become a fitness professional, I'm going to become a personal trainer, I'm going to own my own studio, I'm going to be absolutely amazing, which is possible. But it's always a lot of hard work behind the scenes and yourself saying, having to drive around in a minivan, collating all the information. Technology is great these days, obviously, and assists us. But, you know, I think that's important for fitness professionals to know. It's not just all bells and whistles. There's actually work that goes in behind the scenes. Absolutely. And I always say life is not a journey. It's not a journey. I'm not going to just sit here and breathe and enjoy the journey. Life is an obstacle course and you got to jump over things and you got to crawl under things and you got to walk around things and you're going to get muddy and you're going to get dirty and you're going to get exhausted and you've got to keep going. Mm -hmm. And we work hard you know, we, I was talking to a friend of mine, Tony Delead, just yesterday, and we were talking, he goes, yeah, I work part-time. I work 12 hours a day because that's half a, that's half a day. Yeah. You know, I work part-time. I mean, we work long hours mm-hmm. and we work hard. And like fitness, if you don't train to failure, you know, whether it's cardiovascular or musculoskeletal, if you don't train for failure, you're not going to improve. Mm-hmm. And so it's those failures that you learn from. You know, I never look at my evaluations from a session and say, oh, I'm going to read all the ones that say, great, 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 great. They give me a, a, you know, a 10, a 10, a 10, a 10. I look at the ones that said two and three and realize they just didn't like my outfit, you know, <laughs> but you, that's the ones, that's the ones you want to learn from. Yeah. You have to learn from your mistakes. And that's, and that's important because we can easily give up. A lot of the time we see that in our industry where people put it in the too hard basket and it's, I'm not really wanting to try hard to get myself out of this little rut that I'm in or anything like that. I think you've hit the nail on the head with it as well, where you say, it's very important to understand your failures, learn from that, but more importantly, who around you can support you on that journey. And you've obviously had some great support in your, in your career. You've also had some negative people in your career. So if you were to give someone a piece of advice who's starting out a business, they're going through a little bit of a time of development at the moment, what would be like a couple of pieces of advice you could give them from your experience in business development? There's, it's really one thing. It's like, you've got to watch your budget. Mm. And I think, I don't know if it's society these days, it's like, 
you know, follow your heart and success will happen. I'm like, you're freaking <laughs> nuts. That's, I, I have been fortunate enough to be in an industry I absolutely adore with people that are just energetic and fun and they love to do stuff. But when I started my business, I, I didn't even know what an AR or AP was. I didn't know what accounts receivable and accounts payable were. I didn't take one business class, Mm. not one. I didn't know anything about marketing, anything about sales. I remember going to one of our meetings. I was the Les Mills distributor for a decade Mm. in the Midwest in the United States. The only female agent worldwide out of 48 agencies in 80 countries. And I didn't know any of that stuff but I look at this I look at the things that you can learn and it's about staying true to your budget I just had a simple Word document when I started my conventions, and I put, okay, my printing's going to cost me this, my mailing's going to cost me this, my presenters are going to cost this, my hotel's going to cost this. And when I had the studio, it's like, all right, this is what my rent's going to be, these are what my instructors are going to be, this is what my heat, my electricity, my plumbing, the toilet paper, and I just would, and it's sad. It went on and on and on and on, and I looked at my revenue, and I realized Mm -hmm. I can't make it work Mm. with this little revenue. Stay true to your budget. Redo your budget over and over and over again. And if you're going to plan a project, do two things. And I learned these from running the Les Mills quarterlies. Mm -hmm. I learned plan a worst case scenario, Mm -hmm. and that's your budget, okay? And then plan your best case scenario, and that's a good shopping spree. Mm-hmm. That's a nice pair of shoes right there, yeah. you know? <laughs> so that stay true to your budget and get people's opinions. A very dear friend of mine, Alan Richmond, who's my husband and my like best friend, mm-hmm. he used to work for Arthur Anderson and he also he got a combination business degree and law degree. We met him in law school. He now owns four wine bars. I know. That's another good... That's a a good friend to have. I know. Yeah, really. Like, how do you deal with stress? Oh, I think alcohol, right? Yeah. But I didn't listen to him in my studio. He said, your analysis tells me that all your classes are going to be full. How are your classes going to be full at two o'clock in the afternoon? And I didn't look realistically at my budget. So it's like, have your passions, have your dreams, Mm -hmm. let them lift you up, let them motivate you, but keep your feet on the freaking ground Mm -hmm. and look at your budget. Yeah. And going to external support who might not necessarily be within your industry as well. So always go with somebody who, you know, might know more about a business. It doesn't have to be fitness business, it's business structure. And I think that, you know, find those mentors, find those people that can help you, assist you, find friends with wine bars. Um, (laughs) You can work with that and and go down that pathway. So, you know, you've obviously learned a lot in your time and you now do a lot of presenting yourself on areas of management and also leadership. And you've got some trends that you're you're looking at and present on. Would you like to share some ideas around that at the moment with that too? Well, you know, you were talking about the business. And mm. the cool thing about the business, what I was really excited about being here at Filex, I love this conference and I love mm. the new owners of the event. They've mm. really done a tremendous job. Mm. I was 
the only female business presenter. And unfortunately, because of all those flight mishaps, it was difficult. But the conference has been wonderful and Mm. planted me in different spaces. So I've been presenting and people have been able to attend. But there's a couple of trends and people have this full on trend about women Mm. and female business. Mm. So I'm loving presenting on the leadership and management strategies. And like you said, trends. And because of the conferences we do, doing nine conventions from, Mm. you know, all the way up from Boston, all the way down to Florida, over to San Francisco and hitting right in the middle of Texas and, you know, in Mm. Chicago, I feel like I have a real sense of what's going on the industry. And sometimes I read the trends from, let's say, URSA, which is the largest health club owners convention, I think, in the in the world oh. at this point. And I love what they do when they get together, like, I don't know, we have 1,600 people. And I'm like, looking, we're getting over 6,000 responses from the front lines, from the group fitness instructors and the personal trainers. And it's still about 30% of them are owners, managers, and directors. So we have a real sense of where the trends are going. And we look at this and, and I see relaxation and recovery. I see meditation. One of our fastest growing certifications was written by Yuri Rocket and he it's on meditation. Like, how the heck do you get certified in meditation? It's a really short manual. You, like, sit there and breathe. Great video, you know. Hey, just stare at a blank sheet. But it's been meditation, the foam rolling, the yoga, breathing, and that's been very unique. We also, of course, see hands-on techniques for manipulation with clients and an integration of health and wellness because we want to do prehab rather than rehab. Mm. Because the problem is we don't, in America, we don't have any more money for health care. Mm. You know, you used to get 16 weeks of physical therapy. And now you're lucky if you see a physical therapist six sessions, wow. if you're lucky. And then they're dumped on us as the personal trainers and the group fit instructors. So I see a tremendous amount of trends in that prehab in the, like I said, the relaxation mm-hmm. and the breathing and also corrective exercises. We mm-hmm. just started a certification with that that was written by Fabio Camano, who's mm-hmm. a marvelous educator from San Diego State University. And it's been doing just wonderful corrective exercises. And that's that's one of our SCW certifications. So we can add these different trends that are going on in the industry. And I find it really exciting that we have these online courses that engage a full manual and a video and the test question is all written out for you. And then as Mm. soon as you pass, it's automatic. You get emailed the certificate. It's downloadable on a page, blah, blah, blah. It's very efficient. Yeah. And it is interesting how the industry itself, like worldwide, has evolved. It started out with the aerobics. We're, you know, all, all been through that sort of phase. And then, you know, strength training became more popular. It wasn't just bodybuilding. It was now, this is a lifestyle choice we should all be making. So it's interesting to see how we're now bringing in those concepts of relaxation, the importance of recovery, prehab rather than rehab. I think that that's really important. And I think it's great that we have the opportunity to grow and develop and learn more through certifications and courses and having the opportunity to understand how that's going to not only help your clients, but help your business as well progress forward. So just moving into another little area of what you're involved with, women's 
Industry Fitness Association. So let's talk about WEFA. So how did that all come about? Well, WEFA is the Women in Fitness Association and it's womeninfitness.org. Okay, it's a not-for-profit. And I got an email just random. I don't know who sent it to me. And somebody sent me an email and it was talking about the Women in Fitness Association. And I immediately said, I'm joining. So I didn't just like join at the, I think it's like $99 or something for the year. And you get webinars and mentorships and they're just right now developing a scholarship program. And you get partnered with somebody that's what the mentorship is. It's just so cool. But we, I became a company sponsor because I thought, you know, hoo-ha, I'm this, you know, I'm doing this. And then lo and behold, I get a phone call and they said, would you be interested in joining the board? And it's been pretty darn amazing. Mm-hmm. I One thing that's unique is that I'm one of the only business owners that, I mean, like Lindsay Rainwater, she's the CEO. She's a business owner. But I'm one of the only business owners that I own my own business. I have men that report to me. I have women that report to me. I have hundreds of staff assistants. I have hundreds of presenters. Mm -hmm. I have a full-time crew. I have part-time people. Mm -hmm. And I'm running a business. And the only thing that's different is, you know, as a CEO, as an owner, I got to make decisions. Mm-hmm. So the I love being on this board. These are women I have respected, like Mo Hagen, mm-hmm. that I've respected for years, Kristen Green. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's invigorating to talk to these people on the phone once a month. We do Zoom calls, and we're really trying to support younger women in the fitness industry, to encourage them to, you know, seek and destroy those jobs. You know, a man that applies for a job may have 60% of the confidence of, oh, I can accomplish this. This was a Harvard study that was published just last year. But women will only apply for a job if they feel they have 100%, if they they have 100% of the qualifications. And I'm like, if you've got, you know, honey, if you got 55% of the qualifications, mm-hmm. but you can learn how to do it, I mean, great. People think, oh, you know, you had this law degree, you knew business. I didn't know. I knew how to write a brief. That's what I knew, okay? <laughs> I knew how to count to eight backwards and write a brief. That's what I knew when I opened a business. I didn't know anything about what ROI was. Mm-hmm. Like, what is, the, I, in the middle of a Les Mills meeting, I had to frantically go outside of the meeting, log into the internet and find out what Google, what ROI was that they were talking about all day, that it was return on investment. So the purpose, the passion behind the Women in Fitness Association is to educate and to mentor younger women. And I'm not talking about younger just being chronological age. I'm talking about any woman that feels that I am new or young to this industry or to this particular venture that I want to take. And we help help each other because I think we really kind of, you know, haven't had that. And I hear a lot of times about the the old boys club and et cetera, et cetera. And you know what? I really didn't experience a lot of that until I became a Les Mills agent. And I walked into a room with a group of men Mm. and it's a group fitness business. And, you know, I am 
I am the grandmother of group. I think I think I invented the step touch, okay? <laughs> and, you know, you go into this and you feel so lost and mm-hmm. so scared. And just to be just to be able to call somebody and say, all right, I'm trying to do this. Can you show, you know, can you talk mm-hmm. to me about this? You know, there are so many. I want to help these women. I just got these four boys that are just like, you know, these hoodlums that I've raised, you know. <laughs> they will be great husbands, though. Trust me. They're amazing. These, yeah. My kids are amazing people. Mm-hmm. But we want to help each other. Mm-hmm. And that's the goal of this. That's the that's the purpose behind this. And Women in Fitness Association has marvelous sponsorships. Mm-hmm. ACE has very generously, the American Council mm-hmm. on Exercise, very generously supported, supported it. Maureen Hagen donated several thousand dollars mm-hmm. of her own money to sponsor the conference, so to sponsor the mm-hmm. Women in Fitness Association, so has SCW. Mm-hmm. It's just like giving back to the industry. And it's growing by leaps and bounds. There are at least almost 50 new members every single month. And it's worldwide, it's all all over. We've got great representation in mm-hmm. Australia. We love Australia. <laughs> I love Australia. So it's been really fun. Yeah. And I, being a member myself, I understand the benefits yeah. of that as well. And it's 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 important because... We do. We need that mentor, like mentorship sort of opportunity. And we've talked about that already today. But I think to be able to specialize and, and have that unique development for females, you know, being females in the industry was once upon a time not something you saw apart from aerobics instructors. Right. And it's important to see how we can help those women in particular learn from our mistakes, but also know how we can help them like build their own platform and become those people on their own podiums and and be able to say, this is me in the industry. This is who I am and this is what I stand for. And if people want to join, Mm -hmm. they can go to womeninfitness.org. I actually think it's just forward slash store. Mm -hmm. And if they use the discount code SCW, like Sarah City Workout, Mm -hmm. SCW, they get 15% off their membership. That's amazing. So for all the the ladies listeners to jump in there. (laughs) I need a discount, right? I need a discount. (laughs) That's for sure. And I guess that kind of comes from the management side as well, where you you got that experience and you were talking about all the people that you manage as well. So just to maybe focus with people who might be in that position themselves and they're thinking, oh, I've got a team, they're not necessarily, you know, working to the way that I would like them to be or the company's not necessarily gelling in a in a way. What would be maybe a couple of points you could provide those people in that situation from your experience and what you now present in that area? Well, this is interesting. I'm presenting this afternoon and on Friday I did leading for maximum performance. And today I'm going doing successful business strategies. And one of the things I didn't get to address that I didn't have time enough to address in the lecture on Friday was, why do people quit? Mm. And everything I read said 75% of the people quit because of the manager. They quit for the manager. And I kept saying, people don't quit because of the manager. I never have experienced that. They quit because they live too far away. They quit because something has altered in their life. I've had more people quit because they're going through a divorce than anything else. It's personal reasons that they quit. Other stresses in their personal life affect their professional life. And they just say, well, personal is more important. I'm going to quit. And I thought to myself, now not to to strain my deltoid by patting myself on the back, but I thought, why is that not my experience? Why isn't it? Because I'll tell you, I push. 
I yeah. push. I do. You do not have nine conventions because you accept mediocrity. If you accept mediocrity, you're lucky if you have one business that survives, not nine. We shoot for excellence all the time, mm-hmm. but you got to get to know your staff and you got to you got to play nice in the sandbox. Mm-hmm. If someone's going through a pregnancy, if someone's going through a divorce, if someone's going through a stressful life change somehow, if you know about these things, if you get to know their MO, their modus operandi, Mm -hmm. if you get, I've got a a young man working for me right now who I think always only wants to tell me the good, tell me the good, tell Mm -hmm. me the good. And I'm trying to like, you know, honey, just, it's okay I trust you. Tell me what's going wrong because it's not a failure. It's a learning. Mm -hmm. It's not a mistake. It's a learning. And to try to cajole and try to navigate through the different personalities you have, if you can get to know these people and if you know what they're really good at and you can put them in the right seat on your bus within the right structure, like if they're not detailed-oriented, don't keep telling them to be detailed oriented. Mm-hmm. It's like that whole Albert Einstein, you know, keep walking into the wall until your head is gushing blood and bleeding. Mm-hmm. The, you know, hello, it's a wall. Move over and walk through the door. Find their skill set. Work with them where they're, you know, coming yeah. through. That really helps. Now, there are certain people you need to fulfill roles in your business, but I'm going to say like 99% of the time, you've got to make that role fit around that person. And if they can be if they can be fulfilled in what they're doing and you can find what they love and what they're good at, everybody's going to be happier. Mm-hmm. So I don't I do believe like maybe 75% of the time people quit because of the manager, but I think it's because that manager doesn't really know where they're coming from. Yeah. So many good like tips there, especially. And it's having those clear expectations and knowing that working together on those, but understanding that there are processes along the way that might need to be changed. And and it's hard for us. It is so hard for us to look somebody in the eye Mm. and say, you know, I'm going to tell you something. You made a mistake Mm. because we're terrified as group fitness instructors And personal trainers, God forbid, somebody doesn't love us. God forbid you're teaching a class and and that person in the third row from the back, you know, looks up and walks out of the room. It's like, I don't care if there's, you know, 49 other people in my class that love me that would lick the sweat off my, you know, from my (laughs) armpit and swallow it with a grin on their face. I don't care if there's 49 that love me. All I can think about is that idiot that walked out the door. And maybe they walked out, you know, because that song reminded them of their wedding day and the party and they're going through a divorce or they just got their period or, you know, or, oh my God, I forgot, you know, I left the baby on the bus. Whatever they left for, whatever that personal training client quit for, maybe they moved, maybe they got remarried, maybe their, you know, father is in the hospital and they have to go rush out to visit him. We don't think about that. We want everyone to love us. Mm. And it's a hard thing to transition and grow from that group fitness instructor, from this passionate health-oriented profession that we're in, Mm. into the leader and the owner and the manager. 
and something I keep in front of my eyes right here, and we mm-hmm. talk about this, is the best interest of the child. It's mm-hmm. a legal concept mm-hmm. that when you're looking at a family that's getting divorced, because at one point I thought if I don't go into criminal law, which I was fascinated with because mm-hmm. everyone's guilty, <laughs> but if I don't go into criminal law, I'm going to go into family law. Mm-hmm. And, you know, does the child go with the mom or the dad? Or is there split custody, et cetera, et cetera? It's the best interest of the child. So every time I've got to make a decision and I have to criticize somebody or I have to push somebody Mm -hmm. or, frankly, I have to let somebody go, what is the best interest of the company? Mm. You know, I have 17 full-time people. I've got a bunch of single moms. I've got a couple single dads. I've got several divorcees that suddenly they've got split incomes and it's a mess. Mm -hmm. I've got these people that rely on me. So am I going to keep this this one employee that's got a negative attitude that won't show up at staff meetings, mm-hmm. that's MIA, that's missing in action. Every mm-hmm. time we, we have a staff meeting or we have an all call, they're just suddenly gone. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't have that negativity. Mm-hmm. I've got to do the best interest of the child, the best interest of the company. So I try to keep that in the forefront, that mm-hmm. I have a responsibility to this this weird, maniac, dysfunctional (laughs) family that functions very smoothly. And a true leadership and management style is you've got to have those difficult conversations for the benefit of your company, your business and your team more so. If the team don't feel those conversations are being had, then you know, there's like a, an opportunity for respect to be lost there to an extent. And then it's, that's another sort of ripple that goes through the business to a different sort of option. So I guess moving forward, out of we've learned so much from your personal experience today. It's been absolutely amazing. I could talk to you all day. But if we could take, you know, two or three big nuggets and just say to someone who's either in a management position or they're they're in a leadership position, business owner, anything like that, what would you say from your experiences, two or three big nuggets that they can take away? The number one nugget is you go to sleep with yourself every night. Okay, maybe maybe if you're lucky, not, you know, a significant other. And if you're really lucky, too significant. No, just kidding. But you're the only person you have to sleep with at night. You have to sleep with your conscience. And if you want to have a long-lasting career, you've got to, quote, do the right thing. You know, suck it up, buttercup, and do the right thing. And that means a couple things. That means that you make the tough decisions and you fire some people that might have at one time been your best friend. And you also look in the mirror and admit when you make mistakes. Because as an owner, you know, we get tired, we get exhausted, we get we keep thinking we're putting the right person on the bus, on the bus, and I'm pushing them in that seat and I'm strapping them down, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm like, enjoy yourself, you know, but we make mistakes. So know that in your heart that you're making the right choices, you're doing the best you possibly can Mm -hmm. and admit when you make mistakes. And that's my two nuggets. Yeah. And if those people aren't necessarily, instead of trying to pin them on the bus, maybe they need to get off at the next stop. Yeah. And you say, there's, there's a new seat available. Who's going to join us on the next uh, right. on the next trip? Yeah. yeah. Slow down to about 10 miles an hour or 10 <laughs> kilometer, five kilometers an hour. Just shove them out. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, Sarah, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. And we've really appreciated you taking the time. I look forward to working with you again in the future. Hopefully we can catch up again and, and learn some more fantastic information and knowledge from your experiences. And we look forward to seeing your progression also with your companies. 
If people want to find out more or they want to follow you, what would be the best way to to do that? I have a website. It's sarahcooperman.com and that's S-A-R-A-K, like kite, O-O-P-E-R-M-A-N.com. And our company website is scwfit.com, like Sarah City Workout, scwfit.com. Those are the two ways to reach me. I'm also really excited that I'm coming out with a book soon. I'm a little nervous, like saying it out (laughs) loud. This has only been like, you know, a million years in the working, but you can find out about that there, not like tomorrow or tonight, (laughs) but but very shortly. So yeah. And this is something you've been working on and it's a product still in production. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. And it talks about, it talks about business and some of the choices I've made and I'm actually already got a you know, we've got one version that's focusing on business and another version that's kind of focusing on women. It's Excellent. kind of fun. Excellent. Well, that's all looking forward to seeing that come out. I can't wait. So, well, thanks again for taking the time to talk to us on Fitness Industry Podcast, and we look forward to seeing you again in the near future. Thank you so much. I'm so honored to be here. I really appreciate it. To grow the success of your fitness business, learn from the industry experts in Network's online business skills courses, accredited for CECs and other continuing education points. Go to the Network website, select the Courses tab, and click on Business. Network members save up to 30% on courses, so head to fitnessnetwork.com.au today to grow your skill set and fitness career. And for an amazing weekend of face-to-face learning, be sure to register for Phylex, the main event on the fitness industry calendar at filex.com.au